we're here on the Everyday Educator Show, and uh, we just want to introduce ourselves. First, by starting off, what is Everyday Educators? So we are uh, two, as you say, students of education. <clears throat> students of education. So we wouldn't consider ourselves experts, but uh, those who look intently and study um, intently on education. And yeah, just two folks who are passionate about um, the classroom, passionate about community. And uh, we are coming together to speak with some folks and to do two things. One, um, to connect the classroom to the, the real world, right? Um, we realize that by the time something new and inter interesting happens in the industry, um, it takes a while for that to be distilled into a curriculum into the classroom. Um, but we also want to uh, help prepare, you know, the next engineers, product developers, uh, and, you know, other amazing folks today. And so, you know, that's what you can expect uh, from our show. Am I missing anything, Nate? Nope. Okay. Um, and one of those... Uh, amazing people we have here. <laughs> uh, we have Brother Toriano Granger. Uh, he is a uh, engineer. He is a product developer. Um, and he is, as we say, the father of the hood. He's all things parental. Uh, now you want to speak a little bit about Mr. Granger? Um... He's a guy that always shows up. It's Saturday morning. It's 9 a.m. there. He's there. At my first school, I remember asking him to come and talk to my students for career day during the workday since kids are in school. And he showed up. He's a guy that just continues to show up for us. He's honest. Sometimes we don't like that. Most people don't like that. But he going to sit you down and tell you the truth about yourself anyway. And so, we appreciate you. Okay, why don't you why don't you uh, say hello to the people? You gotta you gotta unmute. Hello, people. So, <laughs> so good morning. Um, I'm 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 a little new to this, and and these two uh, young people with who created this platform, everyday educators, are. Uh, are, are two young people who I, I find to be inspiring and and they do tolerate some of my my uh, my commentary but, but so Toriano is my name and I'm glad to be here I'm not sure what we're going to talk about in detail but um, um, but you know I, I, I'm from Chicago grew up my earlier years on the west side ended up moving to the south side later on went to college here and there um, as Jeremy suggested, um, you know, I do <clears throat> do have a degree in engineering and later on went to uh, business school, but spent most of my career uh, professionally doing um, a lot of work around manufacturing and engineering and new product development and innovation. Um, but but I, I mean, I like to describe that as, you know, what I do professionally. Um, um, 
I, I don't ne- I don't necessarily like to define myself as that, right? Um, I, I do think that uh, education is an important um, <clears throat> an important topic for us to to discuss, and, and particularly how we how we leverage what, what true education really is, and, and how we leverage that for for enhancing and, and uplifting our communities. So I'm happy to engage in this conversation. You know, funny. Just so I don't start that from the back of you. Uh, that was very uh, professional. I don't, I don't really see the side of him, so was, you know, I, I appreciate it. So we're gonna get into our first segment today. It is actual factual. We just talk about a little bit of news or something outstanding. Um, this is coming to you from Insider, uh, InsideHigherEd.com. Um, there was a report released yesterday from the House of Representatives Subcommittee on Higher Education. Um, I am reading this so that I am as factual as possible. Um, but there was a report and they uh, talked about the cost versus the value of education of higher ed specifically, both to students and taxpayers. <clears throat> In this session, the two sides discussed uh, accountability and transparency in the form of programs and institutions that receive federal funds, um, but not, that are not necessarily value adding to the market. Um, here's one quote, uh, Republicans are preparing to reauthorize the Higher Education Act of 1965, which hasn't been updated since 2007. And these priorities include expanding the Pell Grant program and re, uh, reforming the student loan system to eliminate grad plus loans. Now I can say as a current PhD student, shout out to Hampton, go Pirates. I'm very anxious about this. Um, but that brings us to uh, what I wanna talk about today is that one solution that was, uh, that was highlighted um, was the Biden administration roadmap to success job support programs. I know that's a lot, that's a mouthful. Um, This is from whitehouse.gov. The purpose of this collaborative vision is to build a workforce by ensuring every American, whether they go to college or not, will have equitable access to high quality training, education, and services that provide a path to a good career without leaving their community. Question to you all and uh, May, if you reflect on your college preparedness, are you prepared? And uh, is there something that you wish before going to college? I think I was super prepared for college or like my, are you asking like my high school prepare me for college or did college? Oh, let me be specific. Before? This is like before and during or during college, right? Cause, okay. You know, so I, I don't know. If I, I felt prepared for college, I didn't feel inadequate in any way, but I didn't go. I think my my, inadequacy, my inadequacies were in my own head. I didn't go away to school, and so I really worried about, like, if I was good enough, if I was smart enough, if I could make it through. Um, but I landed at a really great school. Shout out to Chicago State University. They were good to me. And I was a student, like I said, that had a lot of insecurities around my own learning and my own abilities. And 
that um, freshman year experience team just kind of like wrapped me up in, in all the support that I needed. And they talked to my mom. My mom was up there at the first couple of days and they were like, we'll get her through. She'll be fine. And I was, and I felt overly prepared um, coming out of their African-American studies program. I learned how to present my thoughts in an organized way. I learned how to defend my thoughts. I learned how to write. I learned how to critically think. I learned how to read. Um, and not just like picking up big words off of a page, but really like taking the information that I was reading off of a page. And so when I came out, I felt ready. Mm. I was ready for, for the world and I still feel that way. Okay. Uh, what about you, uh, Brother Granger? How 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 is your college preparedness back in, in uh, the members only days? <laughs> so, so I was I was fortunate to um, to go to Whitney Young for high school, right? So, so the program at that time um, was was pretty rigorous. And and I would and I would say that I was presented with, in in high school, the 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 type of rigor that one would expect to see, or at least preparing for what we were in expecting to see in college, um, particularly going into um, a program in engineering. Um, I, I will say though that I individually was not as prepared as I would have liked to have been. Um, and, and I think that had a lot to do with a couple things. One, um, <clears throat> the the degree to which I um, um, immersed myself in the work at Whitney Young in certain subjects could have been more intense, and I would have been more um, prepared for what was yet to be something that was a bit more rigorous um, from you know from a math and, and science perspective. But but then the other piece that that I think gets missed when we talk about education um, is the gap between, particularly as one being um, of, of African descent in America, um, understanding what, um, understanding the importance of knowing who you are and knowledge of self and, and how when you go into yet that environment, which is more more representative of what the world will be, um, understanding from a you know socialization perspective, understanding from a um, uh, understanding of social norms and, and 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 acculturation, like what what is your real purpose in the world, and and how important it is for to have have this alignment between what your purpose in the world is um, and that what you're and that which you, what which you are studying is and how that can be a, a difference in how you embrace the work that you're doing in school and then it help to guide you into you know various majors and and even what you end up doing after school so I, I think not having that true alignment going in which I think is a gap in my true education and having to work through that simultaneously with you know the, the rigors of, of coursework and stuff uh, made made college a little challenging for me. But then uh, you know I got through it and it was and it was cool. And I think I'm a better person as a result. All right, 
Well, you know, I'm going, I'm going to uh, dig in a little more on, on that. So, if we were to bring all of your teachers, high school, middle school, west side, west side educators, shout out to the west side educators. If we bring them all to a room and ask them about Brother Granger, I, I forgot which one you are on the depth chart, but you know, you're one of the Rangers. And um, what would all of them say, what would the consensus be, the overwhelming consensus Consensus be about um, you as a student? What kind of student you are? Wow, the consensus. Um, I, I, I have to break that up into groups. I, I would say that, that the, so I went to William Penn on, on the West side until seventh grade, right? Middle, middle seventh grade. I, I would expect that, that, that all of my teachers from that, that chapter of my life would have said, here is, here is one of the more talented folks that we've seen come through here and he's going to do great things. He's probably going to represent us. I, I would say that that would be um, what they would tell me. And then um, what happened when you became a dolphin? Okay, okay, come on, man. Come on, man. Get, 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 I'm getting to it. Um, transitioning to Whitney Young, I, I would say that the, the teachers would fall into two camps. Um, one camp would be Hey, this is a really promising young man, and and he's going to do great things. The other camp, which I think is a smaller camp, would say, you know what, he can do a lot better. And and the second camp are those the the math and science teachers? No, the second okay. camp would be more um, a handful of a handful of. I would say English and yeah, I would say the English teachers. I didn't take the I didn't take reading too seriously. Ah. In in that stage of my life. Um, and and that and I think a a large part of that had to do with um, me not really seeing the connection between what what was being put in front of me as reading material. Um, and, and therefore, I just didn't want to be bothered with it, right? Um, I was never one who did not like to read. I used to read encyclopedias, um, but it was something that was my choice. Uh, but when given, given the, the, the assignment to read Shakespeare and, and read old English literature, read Beowulf and that sort of stuff, I, 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 I just couldn't bring myself to do it, right? So I didn't do the work. <clears throat> so I would so I would expect that those three teachers I would say would have not as fond of a uh, they would not view me in the same way as the other teachers. I see. This sounds personal, and I like it. I'm here for it. I I resonate with that. Um, instead of reading the Boxcar Kids or the Pearl, you know, I read every Walter Dean Myers book. You know, six, fifth, sixth, seventh grade. Um, because it was just more culturally relevant to me, not knowing that it was 
you know, some would say a little more rigorous as well. Um, so I'm, I'm rolling with that. Um, what about you, Nate? You had, you had, uh, you had some questions for Brother Grandy. Yes. So I want to talk, I know you said you went to Whitney Young. You left Penn in seventh grade when you were going into seventh grade. Did you go into Whitney Young seventh and eighth grade program? Yeah. Yes. And how'd you land there? How did I land there? Yeah. So like, did, did somebody recommend you to go to Whitney Young? Was that just a natural place that students from Penn matriculated to? No. Like, how'd you end up there? No, there are, I think there are only several folks that went there from, from Penn, from that era. I, to be honest, I, I don't recall, I don't recall, um, exactly how it happened what what i do the only thing i remember is i was in seventh grade and i remember being pulled out of class to go take a test in some counselor's office right and i didn't think anything of it it was just a test like okay well let me just take a test and and then some time later my mom got a letter um suggesting that it that I had been accepted to go to Whitney Young and, and there's a spot open and um, I transferred in the middle of the year. So I, I started in January oh. of seventh grade. The One of the things that um, my mother told me years later, uh, maybe 30 years later, um, was that, <clears throat> well, first I didn't want to go, right? I didn't want to leave where I was, um, but my mother made me go. Um, but the other side, inside story that I didn't know anything about was a conversation that she had with the principal at the time of, of Penn, who, um, who suggested to my mother that, that I not go immediately, that I wait. And my mother, my mother said to him, and I won't say his name, he says, don't your son go to this school? And he was like, yes. Well, if if that school is good enough for your son, he's good enough for mine too. So, apparently, that was what what one of the nails in the coffin that led my mom to force me to go in the middle of the year. Shout out to Mama Granger. I just had to, had to say that. <laughs> and do you think? Well, we already talked about your path from um, Whitney Young into college what i really want to talk about is your we've had a lot of conversations about how you have curated the educational path of your children and so when we were talking about this episode you were the first person that came to mind because i think it's so interesting what you did with them as a parent and so what i want to know what we want to know is kind of like how did you curate their educational path and when did you start doing that? Well, well, first I, I would think it'd be unfair to say that I did that because I did. I mean, it was, it was my, uh, their mother and, and myself did that. Right. I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to take the, all the credit for that by, by any means. Um, um, I, I would say that, that she, um, my, my children's mom, she did a lot of the, or most of the, the, the groundwork and the effort 
towards trying to find the most um, the most the most uh, beneficial preschool situation for our children, right? Um, and 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 a lot of and the groundwork relative to making sure that certain deadlines were hit relative to um, making sure they applied to certain schools. The other thing that she did that was profound is um, after a conversation with um, one of our neighbors, she discovered a book called um, Teach Your Child to Read in 100 Easy Lessons. And I believe I shared it with the two of you guys, but but you, using that book and working with my daughters every morning or every night, my, my ex-wife is able to um, work through those lessons and get our children to the point where they can read by the time they were four years old, right? So, so that given the natural curiosity of children, enabling them to read that early in life makes them, and I watched this, it made them pay attention to more of their world than others did, right? So when, wherever there were words, they were reading the words, right? And they were absorbing what was going on, right? Um, so they learned how to read phonetically and they, they just explored um, things that way. Um, I, I would say um, what, what I did was, <laughs> I, I, I talked to my children about everything that is going on in the world, right? Um, I, made sure that they had certain experiences um, that were grounded in um, expanding their curiosity um, and, and, and trying to ground them in their knowledge of, of who they are as, as African children and, and, and the connection between that, you know, that history and, and, and what our obligation is in society. Um, on top of all that, you know, all the math and science stuff that I can get them to engage in. Um, so, <clears throat> I would say that's—I don't know if that's really answering the question, right? But, um, but repeatedly challenging my children that they can do whatever it is that they they want to do. There's nothing's too hard, um, and and making sure that the standards are always high. Answer. I want to uh, I want to jump in um, from our script, our pre-written pre script here. Um, right now, you have a young lady who is preparing for college. Preparing for college. Yeah. And so, as a college graduate from several institutions, um, a former dolphin, and how can you uh, speak to your college going process compared to that of um, your daughters now, and specifically because there are you know a lot of parents that are listening um, and who are soon or currently you know have their children that they're going to get ready and they may they can only rely on the information they had whenever they went right. Um, and so, yeah, just kind of, you know, speak to that a little bit. Now, I, this this sounds like a setup, but 
so I'm gonna answer it anyway. See, um, I, I would say that my 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 process, the, the process that I use when I was trying to go to college and trying to decide, may be viewed as being extreme, and and that's fine. It won't be the only thing that I've been accused of as being extreme. But but essentially, I knew that I I knew that I wanted to be an engineer back when I was like in seventh grade, right? So, um, so it was clear that that's what my major is going to be. So I had chosen mechanical engineering by some time in high school. Um, so my college process was simple. It was what are the best engineering schools in 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 the country? Which ones are nearby? Make sure I apply to all of those and to the best and then let me apply to some others that are um, not necessarily as high ranking and hard to get into just to make sure i can get into college i applied i got into the university of illinois i got some significant financial aid it's only two hours away from home there was done stop looking um and I decided. I decided sight unseen. I didn't need to go visit the campus. I mean, the 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 size of the dorm room and what the dining hall looked like and what the lecture halls looked like, it would not have affected my decision. So I didn't need to see it. So I decided, and and then I went. Um, now, the, the conversation with my daughter is a bit different, right? Uh, in, in today's world, there's a whole lot of other stuff that people consider, and not being as sensitive about it, I, I don't consider it to be all that important. <laughs> so, um, but in my conversations with my daughter, um, I am trying to be sensitive to the fact that um, there are all these other things that emotionally and from a feelings perspective that could influence her, but um, still advocating for her to um, be mindful of the things that are, that I would consider to be most important, which is, um, what is it that you're trying to study? What is the, what's the utility of the institution that you're, you're applying to? Make sure you apply to some that you can get into. And then make the decision based upon um, real factors that matter. How much it costs, you know, the reputation, uh, uh, other benefits that maybe, um, um, qualitative that 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 matter and, and let's make a, a thoughtful decision based on that um, <clears throat> that road has not been as easy as I had envisioned it to be back when she was first born but I think it's it's progressing well I'm fortunate she and I are fortunate that she did well in high school and and the thing that I've emphasized to her for the last couple of years that you know, you've worked hard for the last 11 years of schooling. So your biggest challenge is going to be deciding. So continue to good work and let's figure out what happens. Don't worry about it too much. I'm not answering these questions. Oh, no, 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 brother, you are. You know, we got a 55 minute shift. So oh, you okay. are helping right. us get to the mark. Um, you know, everybody who's listening, I just want to let you know. This man is being extremely humble. I'm gonna jump in just for a second. Um, as an educator, the intentionality that you have with your children, that you 
um, and their mother have um, with getting them to read early and often. Um, I remember um, you and the coffee shop we frequent with your youngest, and she might have been <laughs> seven, eight. She looked four. You know, it, it, it didn't look like punishment, but <laughs> you're sitting there and she's writing out times tables like times 12 <laughs> and just begrudgingly, you know, grinding through that. Um, and then if you kind of look forward to your oldest, right, and and the plethora of options that she has because of the work that, you know, that you all did, um, that she still at this point can't appreciate, you know? Right. And so... You know, to those of you listening out there, you know, just that is the, a kind of why we pivoted to highlight that point because, um, you know, here at Everyday Educators, we believe everyone is an educator, right? We have uh, in-class educators, the administrators and teachers and program leaders. Uh, we have at-home educators, you know, you know, the parents. I'm a, a godfather of four beautiful children. Uh, and the uh, community educators, so the professionals, and we all do our part, um, providing examples, opportunities, and um, support, you know, for, you know, the next wave of future educators, you know, those students that we have, um, that we are all responsible for. So I just want to thank you for, you know, that intentionality. Um, and hopefully she comes back and tells you thank you when she's about 40. Um, <laughs> but on that note, there is a story that Naomi mandated that, that you tell. Yeah, you. So tell us. Oh, come on, man. Tell us. Wait, wait, wait. Hold wait, on. Wait, tell wait. us about the Camry, the beat up Camry and the daycare. The what? The daycare you chose for them and the, and the beat-up Camry, the, the sacrifice. Yes, you, you totally bypassed how you went through that whole process of getting them into a specific daycare because it would align with the trajectory that you wanted for them. Oh, um, no. In, in oh, grammar school, wait. high school. Yeah. And the sacrifices you made to make sure that that could happen. I think that yeah. story is important. Toriana Granger's story, the Camry in the day. Look at this. Look at this. I'm drawing a blank. I'm sorry. Well, when I talk about the wind out of the sails, so we kind of just said, so but essentially, he told us a story. Your age is showing me, sir. He told us a story that, you know, there was a prominent daycare and you kind of touched on it that their mother you know picked out for them um, I'm not sure if it was you know the oldest or the youngest but I'm assuming it is the oldest and the sacrifice that you made is that you had a, a car that was a little dilapidated and, and repaired and you continued to drive this car so that your child, child. <laughs> so 
so that your child would, you know, uh, be able to go to this illustrious daycare. Yeah. That's what this is. Yeah. I don't remember the story. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. You don't remember. remember. That's, that's what we were told. We'll move. We'll move. We'll move. We'll move. Right along. Right along. Okay. Um, um, so, so, reflecting. Reflecting. Something else that you told me. I hope that you remember. Okay. <laughs> so, um, is there anything that you would do different? Well, I'm not. Well, I'm not. You didn't tell me this part. Oh, thank you. Is there, is there anything that you would do different as far as you know their your educational choices for them? Um. That's hard to say. That's hard to say. Um, I think that I think that where they landed from a where they landed in preschool was critical, and I think that's again their their mother did the the really the the, the work there. Um, it was critical because it was you know an environment operated by um, black women who really really wanted to ensure that that young black children succeed and that's that's a critical that that's very critical um for for our children um maintaining having a high set of expectations for for our children at such a young age and having that being driven by us um i would say um i i wish that i could have um I wish I could have immersed them in more African-centered educational environments as they got older, um, but just wasn't able to pull that off. So I would say that was probably the biggest. That's probably the biggest. Uh, again. All right. So we uh, we gonna pivot to kids that aren't children. So, as someone who, you know, I think what you do is, is amazing. I look at you, you know, doodling and drawing on your iPad, and, and somehow that's engineering. Who knew? Um, so, if you were to be speaking with a, a teacher or an administrator of sorts or a parent, right? What is the best piece of advice you could give to prepare a fifth grader and a high school freshman to do what you do today? Best piece of advice. A fifth grader, so a fifth grader and a ninth grader. Rising fifth grader. Rising fifth grader. Rising fifth grader and a rising ninth grader. To do so, this is a rising fifth grader who wants to do engineering-esque stuff, right? You know, creative stuff like that. So, so I would say so, the first so thing I would, um, <laughs> I would tell him, I would tell them, or I would, 
I would find out if they know how to do fifth grade math at a profound level. So if they, if they, if they, if they don't know fractions, if they can't do decimals, if they don't know their multiplication facts. And I know that sounds like, you know, pretty elementary stuff. If they can't do long division and they can't just, just click through it, then, then we need to put them on a program to accelerate to that. Because, and the reason I say that is because all the other math is built on the assumption that you're proficient at that. And, and if, and if you struggle with that, the math that you see later on will be so much harder and you'll become discouraged and you'll change. So that was one thing. Um, that, that would say that's bare minimum, right? Um, but on top of that, of course, continue to um, explore and read about all things that are um, uh, science related and to tinker, to take things apart and put them back together. Whether that be, you know, physical things or, or in, you know, if you play video games, all right, don't just play the video games see if you can create video games right for the for the ninth grader um the the ninth grader should be immersing themselves in experiences with people who are actually doing that type of work so you know i so let's who do we know that is doing anything related to what you think you're doing and go actually see it and experience it. Um, that on one end, and then on the other end, again, just making sure you're taking the hardest math and science classes that you can take. And, uh, and uh, what, about what about calculus? Tell us about your experience with calculus. That's, this is what I wanted. This is what I, wanted. I know you know this. Oh, come on, man. No, I just, no, I, I just, no, I just. No, tell, tell it right. You shortchanged this on the one you forgot. Tell it right. So, so the, I'm sorry for for the audience. Unfortunately, I've had many conversations with these people, and, and they may be getting some of the stories twisted, but that's okay. Um, but but on, <laughs> oh, they, there are probably multiple calculus stories. But the first one I would say is that I, I I have a firm belief that everyone should know how to do calculus, and and that everyone. If you want to be if you want to be a dancer, you should learn calculus. And if you want to be an engineer or a physicist, you should learn calculus. Um, and and I say that because I'm a bit biased by that. But but I think but but calculus starts to explain a lot of what's going on in the world, what happens in the world, right? One. But then I think he may be talking about my experience in high school, seeing calculus for the first time in college. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, you couldn't. Uh... When you got to college. When you got to college. You saw. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That, that, you know. Yeah. So yeah. So you know, I always wanted to be. I knew I wanted to be an engineer early on, right? And by by the time I got to senior year in high school, there was an AP calculus class, right? So I wanted to take the class. I couldn't take the class because I did not have the honors pre-calculus class, right? So didn't realize that there was a block there so i couldn't take the 
the, the AP calculus class. Now, knowing what I know today, I probably could have gotten my mother to go up there and raise hell, and she probably would have got me in. But but that's I didn't know that back then, right? <clears throat> um, but what I did recall was that you know a couple friends that I knew, friends that I had in high school, were in the AP calculus class, and I remember the book that they had, right? But it was okay. It was cool. But then when I got down to U of I and I took my first um, calculus class, I, I recognized the book because it was the same book that they were using in the AP calculus class. And I was like, wow, you know, the way that I'm struggling through this class here in college, um, it could have been, you know, my, my experience could have been made a lot easier had I merely just taken that AP class. Right. But I think that, um, that supports what I was saying earlier about the ninth grader, that you should be taking the hardest class you can wherever you are in high school, because it will benefit you later on. All right. See, you didn't disappoint. I appreciate that. Um, so we talked about elementary or middle school for those of you out there who have those. Um, we talked about high school. We talked about undergrad. Can you speak to your experience briefly? <laughs> if you can. No, if you could speak to your experience in uh, grad school and your MBA program and having, you know, you went to school, undergrad, engineer, but then you went to get an MBA and how that has impacted, shaped, influenced, or deterred, you know, just, you know, what, what, what forces were acted upon, you, you know, at, uh, at North, at North All right. So, so I did, I, I did go to Kellogg for MBA, Northwestern, but I went later in my career. So, um, I think I was, I may have been 38, I was 38. I didn't finish until I was like 40. Um, so I was one of the older folks in, in the, in the evening program when I was there. So, um, my, I, I would say that, that one is a profound program. And then two, um, I probably got more out of formal education there than I did anywhere. And I think it was largely because of the degree of maturity that I had going in, and um, I guess a bit, maybe a better understanding of the, of, of the world, and 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 having a and having the ability to to real time understand the relevance of the work that that I was doing, right, to what was happening, you know, in society or in in, in my own in my own. Um, career experiences at the time so um <clears throat> so i i pay a lot of money for it. um it was definitely beneficial um how i don't know if i could quantify how beneficial it was but certainly um one of the better experiences i had and one of the better decisions i made okay well we are coming to the end of our broadcast but we are going to end with this we call this our book club so tell us oh don't sweat i know you didn't like to read growing up it's okay 
So tell us the best book you ever read and the last book you read. Share with us. The last book, I'm not finished yet, but I'm reading it now. The last book is One Giant Leap. And One Giant Leap is, is a book about the, um, the, the, the the of the Apollo program to get to the moon, right? And and more dealing with a lot of the the hidden small stories associated with that. Like all of the little all of the little innovative things that needed to be pulled together to make that work, right? That are not talked about. So that's that's the last one. Um the best book or is it the best book or the my favorite book? You know, you don't like, no, you don't like. Which one? How do you want? However you want. Which one? The best. Okay, the best. Okay, But you can say favorite, because I made a bet with Naomi. I have the answer, and I just want to see if I'm right. The best book is, the best book is Two Thousand Seasons by Ikoi Arma. It's a novel, and, it's, and I normally and see I he's thrown off. See, I normally don't read. Yeah, I don't, don't read to me. Read to me no. But 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 two thousand seasons is one of the. It's probably the only book I read like two or three times. Wow. Okay. All right. All right. Tell us. I mean, you kind of left it ambiguous. You told us about one giant leap. What what is two thousand seasons about? Since you read it a couple times. Okay. Well, so so. 2000 seasons and more words or less it it follows the the journey of some of young of some young african recently initiated um young people through um through the 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 perils of trying to get uh, fighting off oppression from what was once you know the arab invasions and and european invasions in africa so it's set in africa um and and all of the 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 work that they were doing to to essentially become free and one of the and and i would say since you're going to ask me about that there's and it's funny I, when i when i when i looked at that book this morning um i didn't open it up i looked at it and i wanted to grab it but there was a and i can't remember exactly how it went but there is a there's a scene in the book where were the the group of young people, um, and and their one and one of the elders, and I forget his name, who was with them, um, was lamenting about um, the 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 challenges of 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 fighting off all of these invaders and so forth, and how and how they can't see victory, right? And and they can't see victory in their lifetime, and I and I remember they were they were corrected. And again, I wish I could remember the exact words because it was so poetic. But they were corrected by the elder by suggesting that, saying that it is, in more words or less, selfish, selfish for us to decide, to, to allow our decision of whether we should fight or not be dependent upon whether or not we can see victory in our lifetime. Mm. I definitely wrote that down so I can look into it. That's oddly, that sounds oddly familiar to the short story your daughter wrote, except for there's no capital. Oh. <laughs> I was like, 
Did you just read her book? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's my uh, daughter's book. Yeah. Um, nice. I think it's the name of her book. Yes. <laughs> For you all who don't know, his uh, his daughter's very talented. She's an author of many things. <laughs> We will all be working for her <laughs> as, as our as the uh, world ruler. Um, I thought you were going to say the counter revolution of seventeen seventy six. Nah, so that you know. Nah, so you nah. see, you never know what you're going to get. Right? Expect the unexpected. Um, so guys, that is our show. Um. We're going to get more into, you know, who Nay and I are, where we met, what we're doing here, what everyday educators is and what you can expect. But it's going to be more of this, right? Talking to the community educators, the in-home educators such as Brother Granger here, um, about all things education and really wanting to connect the community to the classroom. Um, so we thank you. We would not be here. In every iteration, we would not be here, you know, without you. So I want to say thank you. Nay. Thanks, T. We appreciate you. <laughs> oh, you guys are so nice. Yeah. So we want to hear from you, right? We want to hear from you all. Uh, so please, uh, everybody who's listening, everybody who hears us, um, you can follow us at Everyday Educators on Instagram. Um, or educate every day on the spell app. Yeah, we done switched over to the to the uh, black platform, right? So yeah, IG spill. You can catch us there. Um, and if you have any questions, um, if you just want a, a shout out on the show, you know, send us an email at info at educateeveryday.com. And remember, we're all educators, and we educate every day. Thank you, loved ones. We'll catch you next week. Peace. How am I in this?